Hey everyone, Clay here. Just wanted to give you a quick update on what's going on. I said July was going to be a busy month, and it has been. Curse of the White Knight number one, Sean's newest Batman book, is on the stands right now. And my Kickstarter for the graphic novel I'm going to be doing called Bloody Hell goes live on Monday, August 5th. So if you want to be in the loop with more information about that, you can head over to bloodyhell.com. That's bloody hell with one L, B-L-O-O-D-Y-H-E-L.com. Right now it's a sign-up page for my email list, which I would you know recommend jumping on if you want to get all the exclusive stuff, all the exclusive knowledge before it starts on the 5th. But that will also link to the Kickstarter page once that goes live. So yeah, everything you need to know about my Kickstarter for my graphic novel Bloody Hell can be found at bloodyhell.com, B-L-O-O-D-Y-H-E-L.com. And uh, yeah, be ready for when that thing goes live on August 5th. All right, thanks guys. Enjoy Batman. Podcast, the Batman the Animated Series show podcast where we talk about Batman the Animated Series. My name is Clay McCormick and with me is Sean Murphy, your co-host. And we will be doing two episodes today as always. We'll be doing today The Secret, The Strange Secret of Bruce Wayne and If You're So Smart, Why Aren't You Rich? Right. And uh, we'll jump right into it. We'll start with Strange Secret of Bruce Wayne. Story by David Wise, teleby by Judith, teleplay, man, my brain isn't working today. Yeah. Teleplay by Judith and Garfield Reeves Stevens, directed by Frank Power. And in it, after a prominent judge is injured during a struggle with some thugs demanding money from her in exchange for a strange tape, Bruce Wayne decides to take a trip to Yucca Springs, a resort where the judge had vacationed, and consult Dr. Hugo, Hugo Strange, a psychiatrist. I really feel like that these Wikipedia breakdowns could be worded better. Yeah. Just like as far as putting the information, important yeah. information up front. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Bruce soon learns that Strange has invented a machine that extracts people's darkest secrets from their minds and transfers them to videotape. And now Strange has proof of Bruce's secret identity as Batman and plans to auction it to three of Gotham's prominent crime bosses. Based on comic stories, The Dead Yet Live and I Am the Batman... uh, from Detective Comics 471 and 472 from 1977 by Steve Englehart. And notably, Doctor Strange's scheme in this episode was similarly used by the Riddler in Batman Forever. So it says that in Wikipedia. It does, yeah. Okay, yeah, because you mentioned that when we were watching it. Yeah, I was surprised because I guess that would be... Well, they they, they made these before... uh, Batman Forever was like what, like ninety six or yeah, ninety five so or something. This was already out for four years. So, because I was wondering between this one and the Riddler, because we have the first Riddler episode, yeah, whether or not maybe it was like around the time, yeah. that Batman Forever was coming out. But I guess right. I guess this was a little bit before, right? So, um, um, yeah, what do you think about Strange Case of um, Doctor Jekyll and Bruce Wayne? If you pitched this to me and you said um, <clears throat> Bruce accidentally talks to a therapist who records all of his dreams and this therapist realizes he's Batman Mm -hmm. has visual proof whatever and auctions it off and then Batman has to figure it out that sounds good you know like this episode on paper makes a lot of sense of why it would be like ooh that's a big problem for Bruce you know but the way it comes across is just such a it just is a kid show yeah it's so hokey and goofy and yeah yeah it has uh, oddly enough um it has two elements to it that we've seen at least one one element we've seen at least once before another element we've seen a few times where it's uh rich guys going to a spa and getting extorted because of it which they've done at least once before yep they have poison ivy yeah and the other one is i mean this machine this memory machine is basically the same thing that they do anytime he gets batman gets poisoned by the scarecrow 
Oh yeah. Like you, yeah. you see that like really they freak out over the My top. Are dying again. Yeah, with giant gun and like the yeah. tombstones growing out of the ground and stuff. <laughs> um, so it's yeah. it's it's not really anything new for the show. Right. Uh, Hugo Strange is not really interesting. The way he's played here, anyway, is not super interesting. He's just sort of a stock right evil scientist. Yeah, and the idea of um, Joker, Two Face, and Penguin getting onto an airplane uh, with each other to go and bid on it's just kind of ridiculous. I don't know. Yeah, I love that. Not only are they, they do they all fly in on the same plane. Yeah. Uh, then they just walk them in through the front door. Yeah. Uh, while Alfred is out like pruning a cactus for some reason, <laughs> bags of money just falling out of their yeah briefcase. yeah yeah yeah. I think that um, Joker probably saves this a little bit because he's always Mark Hamill's always funny and mm-hmm. goofy and yeah. At one point, uh, Batman is fighting with them on a plane and he basically sabotages the plane. Yes. It's going to crash and then jumps out. He cuts the fl- fuel line. Yeah. yeah. So okay, uh, why? If what if that plane went down and they all died? Wouldn't that break your kind of? Yeah, that would that code. would be. I'm pretty sure that would be. That's attempted murder. Yeah. No matter how you shake it. Yeah, but definitely attempted. Since murder. it was Batman, he knew that it wouldn't do uh-huh, that. Sure. So yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, it's it's kind of it's fine. It's fun to get. I I found it enjoyable, uh, mainly because of the appearance of Two Face and Joker and the Penguin. Right. Um, clearly, as we've pointed out, I have a bias towards the recognizable characters. Right. Uh, but even there, it was, you know, they only kind of show up for a little bit at the end. Yeah. Um, there was some cool stuff in it, though. Like, there, I really, really liked, um, what was it? The At the beginning, when Gordon is talking to Batman after they save the judge, mm-hmm. Batman is not just standing among the cops and talking. He's, right. like, hidden off to the side of the bridge in yeah. shadow. I like that a lot. Yeah, the animation on the first part of the story looked really good. Yeah. The opening shot is a... Uh, <clears throat> A foggy bridge you can't even see the base of the bridge because it's so foggy um you know the camera angles are great like i think the setup starting the beginning of it is really strong but uh yeah i don't know it's just the if i wanted a good mr free uh two-faced story or any of these villains mm-hmm. i would go to other episodes yeah if i wanted yeah. uh rich guy gets black belt story i would go to the poison ivy episode mm-hmm. if i wanted batman to be afraid of losing his identity i would go to that episode where that guy wants his mask yep like they're all i feel like there's no reason to send someone to this episode because you have better versions of this in previous episodes yeah it's it's almost i mean even though hugo strange is a is a, a character from the comics yeah um he is presented almost in a way where he's like a one of the created for the show one-off villains. Yeah. In that he doesn't really, he can't, he doesn't really, he's even actually worse than that because he can't hold the story by himself. It, it, feel, it felt like to me they brought in mm-hmm. the Joker, uh, Penguin, and Two-Face as a way to kind of just spice up the end of the episode. Yeah. Because it's kind of, yeah. there's not really anything else to it, you know? Even when um, Hugo tells them that Bruce Wayne is Batman, they just roll their eyes and ignore it. And then Two-Face is like, oh, I used to be friends with him. There's no way he's Batman. So the stakes, what was so scary was these villains were going to find out and they were going to use it against them. And then they find out anyway and they just decide to shrug it off, which takes away the seriousness of the dilemma. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I didn't think that was necessary. Yeah, and the stuff with Robin was kind of fun uh, where he dresses up like Bruce. Yeah. Um (laughs) And I think this, I believe this is the first Hugo Strange episode. I don't know if he comes back, but... I think he comes back in um, Justice League. Yeah. Or one of the other offshoots. Yeah, but he's he's a character who's been around since uh, 1940. Yeah. Um, Not surprised. He was created, he, he first appeared in Detective Comics 36 as a scientist who uses a stolen concentrated lightning machine <laughs> to generate a dense fog every night, allowing his gang to rob banks unseen. Right. Though he knows that Batman poses a threat to him. Right. Um, so he he's... I'm... You know, we were talking uh, during this that neither one of us are really well-versed in Hugo Strange. Yeah. Uh, I've never really read a Hugo Strange story. Uh, he seems to pop up more in other media that mm-hmm. I've noticed. Like, he was a big villain on Gotham, I think. Okay. And uh, I'm actually kind of... I'm surprised he didn't show up in one of the Nolan movies. Because mm. that seems like a, a character that Nolan would have cherry-picked in some capacity yeah. to put into those movies. Like, even right. like as a secondary character or something. Yeah, yeah. I'm curious how much Nolan did for research on Batman at all. Like, I don't imagine him and his brother 
doing a deep dive on Batman. Well, I think they did a decent amount. Because if you think of the stuff, like especially the first movie that they did, mm-hmm. they're using Ducard, who was an ex- existing character, yeah. and they're they're having Batman train with the League of Shadows and mm-hmm. Ra's al Ghul, and that's right. I mean that's not top level Batman stuff, you know. That's true. I guess I, I, my impression is that they had people they asked questions to, like, what do you want to see in a Batman movie? Who are some characters I could look into? Because you know, there's so much uh, in the mythos now that mm-hmm. it, I mean, maybe his his brother wrote it. It was, um, they wrote it, it was Nolan, his brother, and also David Goyer. Okay. And it actually wouldn't surprise me if most of the comic stuff came from Goyer. That's what I was sort of suggesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That you wouldn't had, that wouldn't surprise me. You had some kind of long-term fan in the meeting, and they sort of pointed you, and they're like, oh, Chris, trust me, you should check out this stuff. This is totally up your alley. Yeah. He's like, all right, great, let's go that yeah. direction. I don't know, he, doesn't, he didn't strike me as a guy uh, who read a lot of comics. Yeah, I, I don't, I... <laughs> I think if you got to got to talking with him and you, and you were like, I don't think you would have a long conversation riffing about your favorite Batman villains. Yeah. You know? So, so like, what do you think about Hugo Strange? Oh, Hugo Strange! <laughs> I love Hugo Strange. I've been a big fan. No, I don't. I don't think so. I really wanted to get him into that movie, but yeah. he just wouldn't let me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, who I really love is uh, the Condiment King. <laughs> if you threw that down, I'd be like, whoa. Yeah. That is amazing. Yeah. Uh, I think there was a lot of villains that that, that I, he could have used. Like Firefly would have been a cool one. Yeah, you know there there are some more grounded but still weird characters. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Hugo Strange is one. I'm surprised he didn't use. Yeah. And uh, I've always seen Hugo Strange as sort of like a catch-all for like he's kind of a if you need a a villain who's just a mad scientist, right. you go to Hugo Strange. Yep. For better or worse. Yeah. You know. Um, I would love to know if anybody listening has can point to a great Hugo Strange story because yeah. I would love to read it. Yeah, I'd be open to that. I, I, he totally reads as a guy who was developed in the 40s, sort of a German accent. Yeah, he even looks like you know a fairly traditional yeah. um, mad scientist character. Yeah, and yeah. that I actually liked because in this episode because he kind of he he really fits the look of the show because mm. he has that fleishery kind of look to him. Right. Um, and this episode in particular had a lot of Fleischer era yeah. sci-fi stuff to it, like the machine that he's in and the, with yeah. the probes coming down. Yeah, with the rounded off tips, yeah. I think, I mean, I guess for me, the difference of these two episodes is they're both campy and it's obvious that it's a kid's show, but mm-hmm. there's a right way to do camp and there's a wrong way to do camp. Mm-hmm. And uh, this one feels like the wrong way to do camp because it's just not that great of an episode. Yeah, it's not. I don't really feel like it's too developed. It, you know, it's really it's been really interesting looking at these episodes because every time there's one like this, this one. Would you say this has more story or less story or about the same story to it as the ninja episode? Um, I think less. Less. Okay. Only because of the flashbacks with Bruce. Yeah. And okay. Kayla that's fair. Ken. So a little deeper. you have an episode like this that doesn't really have a lot of story to it. Yeah. And then you've got episodes like Heart of Ice where it's like they packed a shitload of stuff into 25 minutes or 22 minutes. Yeah. I don't. It's really interesting to see how it. Yeah. Sometimes they can really knock it out of the park. Right. And not that this was bad. It wasn't terrible. I mean, it was probably one of the weaker ones. Right. But it wasn't awful. Yeah. I mean, if you imagine that you got the uh, pitches for Heart of Ice in this one. This one has, it seems like it has a lot more going on. In it. Yeah. Heart of Ice is like, there's a villain who wants to save his wife. He's not really a bad guy, but he's driven to do bad things. Mm-hmm. And it's a love story. Yeah. you like, okay, sure, fine. Yeah. Snow globe. All right. I guess that works. <laughs> like, I wouldn't necessarily have picked that for the best episode of the series yeah. at the development stage. This one seems like it has more stuff in it, but I think it sort of misses the mark because it fails to take itself seriously at any point. Yeah. It's just too goofy to believe. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think there's, on paper, this sounds really good. Like, if you were to pitch me this episode, I would say, oh, that's interesting. That's mm-hmm. a that's an interesting take. And actually, uh, there's an episode of The Prisoner, which is... And it all goes back to The Prisoner. Yeah, my God, I, I hope. This is the American version, right? <laughs> <laughs> no. You're fired. Um, there's an episode of The Prisoner called A, B, and C, where uh, the way that they, they try to extract information out of number six, uh, if you're not familiar with The Prisoner, um, he, there's this guy, number six, he's, a, he's a, uh, a retired spy who's been whisked away, unbeknownst to him, to this place called The Village, where they're just trying to get all of his spy information out of him, and he doesn't know if it's bad guys who run it or good guys who run it or somebody else. 
Uh, and it's the, every episode is like a mind fuck, basically, mm. to, to try to get him to break. And there's an episode where they're trying to get this information about uh, a specific party that he went to and uh, this person that he talked to. So they develop this into this computer machine that basically creates a virtual reality out of his memory and places him back into that um, environment and, and night. And they watch him and they see how he went through the evening. So basically they put him back into his memory and then see how the memory plays out. Mm -hmm. And then eventually he figures out what's going on. So he has a strong enough will that he starts fucking with the machine. Right. And uh, they're trying to find out the identity of the person who gave him this information mm -hmm. or the secret. And he ends up turning it on them. So in his dream, he says, oh, it was the guy who's actually running this machine who did it. And so right. he gets, you know. And it's that one was a... a I really like the way that they did it there, where they play it seriously. It's super campy. It's one of the campiest episodes. This show is from the 60s. It's a British show from the 60s. <laughs> Very mod. Yeah, a lot of, lot of lava lamps. <laughs> um, but the way that they play it is so fascinating and interesting, and there's some tension built into it that this doesn't have, because it is pretty straightforward. Again, kid show, whatever. Um, but yeah, they kind of just, they, they scrape the interesting stuff to the side in favor of like a airplane chase at the end and yeah yeah just is there a better version of this episode where someone finds proof that bruce is batman and basically you hit the same beats but you don't need the sci-fi brain computer yeah yeah i think so yeah because i mean yeah the, the idea that there's someone out there who has the information right i think you know i, I kind of jokingly said it as as we were watching it i was like why why did the the joker and those guys even bring money mm -hmm. why don't they just shoot him and take the tape yeah. So I think the more interesting version is there's someone who has that information, mm -hmm. tries to sell it, mm -hmm. and then the villains are like, "No, we're not giving you money. We're going to kill you right. and take it." And, and so Batman then he, has to save him. yeah. So then he oh, ends yeah. up on the run. Yeah. While these guys are trying to, all right. these villains are trying to fight right. to get the tape. So then Batman would stick his neck out to save this guy. Yeah. And then at the end, the guy would turn on him again, but Batman would know it. So then Robin would show up dressed as Bruce Wayne, sure. and you could still foil his plan that way yeah or it makes more sense if robin just dresses up as batman because it just there's less to do yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah something like that, that i think that sounds scarier too yeah um it's just things that happen at spas aren't scary yeah <laughs> so if i you know honestly if i was gonna do a batman movie that had like if they're if if they were like all right we want to do a batman movie we want to have as many villains as possible that's what I would do. I'd be like, okay, well then we'll make the point that someone has Batman's secret identity and he's mm -hmm. gonna e e expose it. Right. So now you've got all of these villains. Like, kind of, what's that movie? Um, is it Smoke and Aces? Oh yeah. Where Jeremy Piven's in the in the building and then all these assassins are trying to fight each other to get to this guy to kill him to get the reward. Yeah. Something like that, where you've yeah. got that going, but you've got Batman in the middle, mm -hmm. where you have to, where he has to um, defend yeah. that. You know, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. I think Scott might have done something like that. Oh, Snyder. I, th okay. I think All-Star Batman that he wrote was... There was a big story where Batman was escorting Two-Face somewhere. Huh. And he had to get him safely from point A to point B while right. everybody was like coming in. Anyway. Oh, okay. But so it's a, it works. It's, yeah. a, it's that kind of story works. Nice. Yeah. Gotta read that one. I missed that one. Um, is there anything that you'd want to draw? Um, oh, sorry. Before we get on to that. Yeah. I noticed that lately there's a lot of blowback against um, when you show the scene where Bruce's parents get killed. Mm -hmm. I see a lot of people say, I don't need to see the pearls ripped from her necklace and mm -hmm. her hit the ground mm -hmm. the gun, and Bruce sitting, kneeling in a circular shadow of the street lamp, whatever. Like, I don't need to see that stuff anymore. I don't know what happened what made people start to turn on writers and artists who love to depict this horrible thing that happened to Bruce over and over again. Yeah. Have you notice that? Oh, definitely. I think I think it's just a response to origin stories in general. Yeah. Because there are so many comic book movies now mm -hmm. that when you're doing a character and it's like, okay, we're going to start at the beginning and then we're going to see how they get from point A to point B. Yeah. I think it's just a byproduct of that. Yeah. Because um, I, 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 what was it? Uh, Batman vs. Superman got a lot of shit for that. And I actually thought the way that they did that in, in the movie was one of the better parts of the movie. Because mm -hmm. they just did it over the credits and they kind of did it quickly just to get it out of the way. Yeah. But yeah. I agree to yeah. an extent, you know. Yeah, it's just not as dramatic when you have to see it over and over and over again. Yeah. And um, 
yeah, the Bruce's dream, nightmare sequence in this wasn't mm-hmm. nearly as good as it was with Scarecrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, they showed a lot of the same beats, but weren't as well animated, weren't as scary. I mean, yeah. the tombstone's growing. I guess that's fine, but... Yeah. I guess I guess for me it's like why why are you showing it? Are you showing it just to show it? Yeah. Or or is there like for instance Batman versus Superman it didn't feel like they needed it because mm-hmm. everybody knows who Batman is. Yeah. That's the, the death of his family is not really yeah. part of that story. Yeah. But in Batman 89, the only reasons it's the only reason it's in the movie at all is to show that the Joker killed his parents. Yeah. So yeah. it, that's not an origin movie. The, the origin sh- pops up in the middle there, but right. the only reason it's there is to right. connect him to the Joker. Yeah. I guess when people put that scene in a comic, when I read it in the script, I tend to think, oh, the writer's basically saying this. Hey, this is deep and profound. Ooh, mm-hmm. there you go. People mm-hmm. are really going to be stirred by this. But it, you see it so much now, you don't even think about how horrible that must have been for, yeah. for Bruce Wayne. Like yeah. It's just so played out that it's not even profound anymore it's like yeah. yep yep got it parents died you know and you don't want to say that about this is the main reason for being batman you know yeah yeah so when they handle it too lightly it's like don't even bother handling it at all if you're not gonna reframe it in a new way or yeah. like you said with the 89 uh for white knight and this isn't too spoilery but uh i had a scene that takes place um app spoilers priest's parents die <laughs> I don't know if you know. It was a really dramatic scene in an alleyway with a gun. Never been pearls. depicted. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's true. No one's ever depicted it. Yeah, nope, no one. Yeah, um, but it's the day after, or a few days after, and Alfred's like, "Bruce, you're not ready. Uh, you need to get something on." And basically, they're late for the funeral. Mm-hmm. And Bruce doesn't want to go, and he's staring at Alfred's uh, swords. And Alfred would never let him play with the swords because they were too dangerous. Um, and uh, my book has kind of like a swashbuckling Zorro type of vibe mm-hmm. in some of the flashbacks so uh, I was trying to bring that to the, the main line with, with uh, I'm sorry with this other flashback anyway so um, my take on it was instead of showing Bruce's parents get killed I wanted to show how guilty he felt Yeah, and it's not that he feels guilty just because he didn't do anything in that moment but also because um, he made them go to see the mask of Zorro mm-hmm. like they didn't want to go but he's like I need to see this movie I need to see this movie yeah. and the reason he wanted to see the movie is because he thought if he could watch Zorro use swords, Alfred maybe would let him use the swords. Mm-hmm. So Alfred, ah, fucking dog. <laughs> Alfred's, uh, I guess it's a spoiler, but whatever, it's too late. Um, he agrees to, if you come to the funeral with me, if you, you know, show, if you're brave enough to go to the funeral, then you're brave enough to learn how to use a sword, and yeah. I will start to teach you how to fight. So the next time something like this happens, you will know what to do. Yeah, It's kind of like the beginning of Bruce becoming Batman, with Alfred teaching him how to use these swords. And of course, the sword theme is big with Azrael in the story. Yep. Yada, yada, yada. And that's why Bruce Wayne, age 12 to 25, always carried a gigantic sword with him. <laughs> until <laughs> until he went overseas and they were like, you got to stop doing that. <laughs> what, like, like Highlander, he just wears a giant coat all the time. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, man. We should try to recreate some of that Highlander discussion we had last <laughs> night. That was amazing. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if people would want to listen to that. Um, yeah, no, I, I think it's... a. Uh, uh, I think part of it is that they just keep going back to the same imagery because mm-hmm. the imagery that people always pull out is essentially Frank Miller's imagery, right? Yeah. It's the pearls. It's the kneeling underneath the street light. Yeah. Everybody wants to do that. Right. But nobody ever, like, I think the way that they did it in Batman Begins was great because the one the thing I remembered from seeing that for the first time is how, how abrasive and shocking the gunshot was. Mm-hmm. Like, it sounded like a real gunshot. It didn't feel like a movie... You know, it was right. like a really hard concussive blast that really right. you know catches you off guard. Right. Um, and it was yeah, it was more about the character than it was about the the imagery. There's right. actually, have you ever seen um, Comic Book Girl 19 on no. YouTube? No. She's you know she's one of those people who reviews movies and comics and oh, stuff, okay. and she does some pretty good stuff. And she was doing a, a review of Batman versus Superman, mm-hmm. which she was just not being kind to it whatsoever. Yeah. But the whole video, she was also making a pearl necklace because the point she was so tired of seeing that, you know, the flying pearls everywhere that she was making a pearl necklace, which she knows how to do, uh-huh. to to show people like that doesn't actually happen because every pearl is individually tied on. Uh-huh. So if the string breaks, the pearls don't fall off. 
So it was one of the. It was, she was so tired of seeing the flying pearls everywhere that she was like, "I just need to put this out in the world." Huh. Interesting. Yeah. So the forensics team who discovered Bruce's mom's body would say, "This is either a cheap pearl necklace yes. because it wasn't done correctly." <laughs> the real crime here is how little Thomas Wayne spent on his wife's jewelry. All right, and possibly her shoes. Yes. We can get to that later. <laughs> um. Yeah. But, uh, you know, oh, the one other thing that I really liked in this episode, because I don't know if they've done it before, is that, so at the end, after the plane crashes in the middle of the desert, the police have to show up. And they actually show up in the in a blimp yeah. that they practically use, but they land it, and then they lo- they load everybody onto it, and then it flies away. Which I, I didn't know they actually used those other than just to look cool. Yeah. Every time I see those blimps, I think, man, they're so cool. I wish I had used them in my book, but I totally forgot. Yeah. Really uh, impractical in a city. Yeah. You know, I don't know where you're landing that shit. Yeah. Maybe for volume three, if I get into Batman Beyond, we can have the blimp initiative. Future blimps? Yeah. Like the blimp in Blade Runner that has the screen on it and shit. Yeah. That'd be cool. Corporate sponsored blimp. Yeah. And they've got the only flying car is the Batmobile or whatever you call that. Yeah. Yeah, um, as far as as far as drawing, I don't know. This is a tough one. Um, I would not want to draw Bruce's parents getting killed. Yeah, that memory. Yeah, nightmare stuff. You know, you want to draw a spa? Mm, spa. Yeah. <laughs> Plane crash. Maybe. No. I don't know. Um, I Robin would, You know stilts? what I would like to draw? I think drawing the auction scene could be fun. Uh. Especially, like, I, I, I was saying, I'm surprised that Joker eating the popcorn hasn't turned into a gif the way, like, Michael Jackson eating <laughs> the popcorn has, because it'd be a good one to use. Yep. Uh, but I think you could have some fun in mm-hmm. that. It's it's not really flashy, but you get yeah. to draw three different icon or four different iconic villains and mm-hmm. can play with it a little bit. This is probably the least interesting one I've ever said. <laughs> yeah. I would redraw Robin at the end, who's wearing stilts. Oh, yeah. yeah. So he's dressed up as... Bruce Wayne to fool everyone into thinking Bruce and Batman are different people and he takes off the coat or whatever and he reveals that he's got these like lifts on that are like eight inches but the way that they animated it it looks like Robin is standing at the regular height but remember the show King of the Hill Mm -hmm. Frank Hill Hank Hill's dad who had nothing from the knees down and he kind of walked yes. like a, and he had it looked like he had really long arms for yeah. sure that's how Robin looked the animation was just it wasn't even animated it was just a still shot and they didn't even get that right yeah it looks like a squat stumpy action figure before Tom McFarlane reinvented action figures yes you know? yeah uh, I'm changing my answer <laughs> okay so what I would draw just because I would need to find something in this to, to, to really have fun with I would do a double page spread of Gordon and Batman talking in the foreground at a normal size and then the background across two pages would be the blimp and they'd be loading the <laughs> yeah. villains into the blimp underneath it so you'd have some desert stuff and then yeah. this massive blimp going across two pages yeah and then the normal size guys in the foreground just talking about yeah it. that works yeah it kind of makes me want that play set because they never had any oh. action figure blimp you could make it like a toy carrying kit it's blimp shaped yeah you know with those new figures that they're doing you never know. Yeah. They might they might do a blimp. They haven't they haven't gotten to a lot of vehicles, but yeah. If you get, if they're making vehicles, yeah, you got to get the blimp and you got to have the the yeah. the paddy wagon, right? With that weird looking paddy wagon. Yeah, maybe even have it like as a playset where the paddy wagon is inside or something like that. Yeah, that'd be cool. So I drew that paddy wagon in my book, and I it's actually a real vehicle made by GM in the fifties, I think. Really? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a pretty crazy looking vehicle. Yeah. It's too bad people can't see what I'm talking about because <laughs> this point doesn't really matter. Uh, the last thing I'll say about this episode is a couple episodes ago we had a, a discussion about whether or not Batman... I think it was based off of the does Batman kill thing. Yeah. And I was saying that my interpretation of Batman is that he is not an agent of revenge. Um, in this one, he very much says that he wants revenge. Mm-hmm. But... I think that it still falls under my interpretation of he wanted revenge initially, but then has turned into something else since Moved then. On. Yeah. yeah, but I, it's Stage I guess it's tough Batman. to it's tough to to get that across in a kids show. Yeah, um, it's much easier to get across. They did something bad to me, so I want to do something bad to yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. What did we say? There's like three stages of Batman. There's revenge, new fresh Batman who just wants revenge. Yeah. Then there's been doing it for a while, Batman, mm-hmm. which is you know in and out of typical Batman stuff. And then you get older Batman. Yeah. Like, why am I still doing this? Yeah. Does he acknowledge he's getting older? Yeah. Is, is the city moving on without him? That kind of Batman. Yeah. Yeah, this is definitely a stage 
most Batmans are stage two Batmans. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot. I mean, I, there's there's a lot of stuff there to, to unpack with yeah. him, which is what makes you know, him such a great character. This whole debate that popped up about Batman not killing it, it made me go back and tweak some things in my script mm-hmm. to make it like my Batman does not kill, mm-hmm. um, and I never thought of it any other way because that's just what my editors told me. That's mm-hmm. what the anime, the cartoon says. You know, at one point he thinks he accidentally kills someone and he's devastated by it. Mm-hmm. I think at the next episode actually. Oh. Um, but yeah, so I went back and like reinforced that. Mm-hmm. So I have, there's an ancestor of Bruce Wayne, this isn't too spoilery, and uh, he doesn't kill either. And it's important that he doesn't kill because he ends up sort of maybe breaking his rule, mm-hmm. which you learn all that in issue one. Um, but yeah, it was interesting to sort of reinforce that. Yeah. And I wouldn't have done that except for this weird argument that's broken out lately about does Batman kill? You yeah, because I, I remember you and I had a, a, con- a fairly long conversation about it when you were really planning out curse of white knight yeah. where i won't say exactly where it happens but there was a point where i was like that's coming real close yeah um, apparently it's not a big deal to a lot of people yeah like Zack snyder yeah uh, yeah it's i don't know we don't need to relitigate no. the batman killing thing because yeah. we did it like in podcast time two episodes ago <laughs> that's so. true, yeah and then there's the whole superman killing and who wants to get into that yeah we'll save that for the superman podcast <laughs> god don't make me do that uh, yeah uh so for a rating uh what would you give this Two. Yeah, it's going to go between two and a three. Yeah, it's fine, I guess. Yep. I think it's a lot of rehash yep. with a different coat of paint on it. Yep. The yeah, animation's crappy. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> Have we had a one yet? I don't know if we've had a one. I don't know what a one on this show would look like, frankly. I gave out a one once, I think. Yeah. I was probably between one and a two. Yeah. It's going to be a real garbage fire in this show for it to be a one, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I'll think of it later. Yeah. Maybe it was the was it the Rat King one the the, the I don't know it, no because I hate nice, that that was great animation though yeah it can't be one yeah I forget we should go back and uh, <laughs> make sure yeah let's <laughs> let's sit here and not look anything up and just wonder. waste time wondering just wonder <laughs> uh, anyway we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be back with the next one. All right, hey everyone, we're back. Next episode we're talking about is If You're So Smart, Why Aren't You Rich? Written by David Wise and directed by Eric Radomsky. Edward Nigma creates the video game The Riddle of the Minotaur for the company Competitron, but is fired by his superior, Daniel Mockridge, who wants the profits for himself. Nigma vows revenge and takes up the mantle of the Riddler two years later. While Batman sympathizes with Nigma, he and Robin find themselves forced to stop him before he kills Mockridge in a life-size version of the Minotaur maze. Despite successfully rescuing Mockridge, who complete who who comp- <laughs> these things are terrible. Despite <laughs> successfully rescuing Mockridge, who complete a deal to move his company to Gotham. Self-editing. Self-editing. Uh, the incident leaves him in a permanent, all-consuming fear of Nigma's return for revenge. Note, this episode features the series debut appearance of the Riddler. And the thing I was thinking about halfway through this when the Riddler shows up, is there like a guy or like a catalog that these villains go to when they decide to become villains? Get henchmen. Yeah, where yeah. is it like, do they show up and the guy's like, okay, what package you want? You got number two, <laughs> where you get a car, you get a mask, you get a license plate, yeah. you get one gun, one funny gun, and you get the choice of two henchmen or three henchmen and no gun. The three henchmen have to be Curly, Larry, and Moe, yeah. by the way. They're, you, they're not good. They're, they're not they're not branded henchmen. <laughs> you, you pay more, you get the branded henchmen. Yeah, this is called the Ha Ha Package. Very popular with the yeah. Joker. For a couple, for this amount, you get to pick which on theme hideout you will get in the city. <laughs> we currently have one amusement park open. You know that kind of thing. Yeah, I, I that think would all be... you've proven is that your thug voice is much better than mine. <laughs> that would be a fun story, actually, to do like. <laughs> The guy who helps them supply all that shit. Yeah. Like, they, they touch on that stuff. And, like, in Daredevil, they have the guy that builds the costume and stuff. Yeah. But it would be really funny to have, like... That would uh, make... You know how they have... They actually have... You ever go... You know, obviously, you've been to church. Um, you go to a Catholic church. You never really think about, oh, where the hell did they get all this shit? There's a catalog mm-hmm. that they go to to buy... Yeah. Angel statues and cups. Yeah. Like, branded cups. Gold yeah. cups and shit. Yeah. So, 
it would be really funny to see the depot where all of these new yeah. villains go to get their their gear. That would be an amazing Darkwing Duck episode. Yes. Because it's Batman enough, but it's funny enough where it's Darkwing Duck. Yep. Yeah, and you could totally take the piss out of Batman or any henchman villain, honestly. Yeah. Villain story. Like, is, story. like when the one guy comes in and he's like, all right, what's your name? He's like, I'm the Condiment King. He's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> sure. The sign said I could be anything I wanted. <laughs> yeah, all right. I didn't know. Or is it like wrestling? Is it like wrestling where you come in with an idea and then that guy like helps you? Yeah. You know, so maybe the condiment king comes in and he has like a better idea. Right. But the guy's like, well, what do you like to do? And he's like, well, I work at a, I work at a burger joint. He's like, oh, oh, wait, wait, hold on. The condiment king. Right. We'll give you, we'll give you a yellow gun and a, a yeah, red gun. Yeah, yeah. And then he's like, no, I, I, I don't. Right. I want to be, I want to be Death Master. And he's like, no, 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 no. You are the Condiment King. Yeah, it's like villain consultant. Yes, it's like an image consultant for villains, or like PR and branding for villains. Yeah. Huh. What if there's a way to do that in a serious way? Um, you, you're kind of doing it in Curse of White Knight a little bit, actually. How so? I don't want to get into it. It'd be okay, spoilery. Never but, mind. <laughs> uh, we can talk about it later. Or you could just read the book when it comes out. <laughs> Plug. Um, yeah, this uh, this one was weird for me because it's, as you said in the last episode, incorrectly uh, about this one. Oh yeah, the animation. Um, the animation is really like fluid yeah. and has this. Uh, there's a lot more movement to it than there usually is. Yeah. Like whether or not it was, I don't know if it was a different animation yeah. house or if like this is the first Riddler episode, so they're putting a little more back into it. But yeah. even that, it's like they picked a, it's not yeah. really that impressive looking of an episode. No, the, the extra movement on Batman, like he doesn't just uh, talk to Robin. He talks, turns his head, tilts it back, turns yeah. his shoulders, turns it back, reaches behind his cape. It's a lot of like unnecessary movement that I can almost guarantee the animators didn't. The people who wrote the episode didn't give this to the animation yeah. studio. It felt to me like the animation studio was like, "Oh my god, we have Batman. Let's really do this right. Let's go all out. Let's stay late. Let's do like extra little movements on Batman. It's gonna be amazing." It felt like they were trying to prove their worth to Warner Brothers or something. Yeah, they like, went super Max Fleischer. Yeah, there like they, was they went like off model of the animated series and went to the source, which was the Fleischer cartoons. Yeah, it almost feels like. Do you remember when we watched the uh, the the test, the pencil test? Oh yeah, where exactly. Batman had a lot more movement in him. Yeah, it felt like that. Yeah, um, good point. And I don't know. I mean, maybe it has something to do with that. Like the Riddler's a big character, so they want to put yeah. the extra. I don't know. But is he a big character? Because I was starting to think, like, how how important is the Riddler? I know he's classic, mm-hmm. but how... I mean, who's really using... I've never done a Riddler commission or seen a lot of people dressed up at shows as Riddler. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I'm not totally sure. I mean, I think... I, I was thinking that, too, as I was watching it. I was like, what's... Is there a great Riddler story that I've read? Yeah. And the answer is no. Um, yeah. but that is also showing my ignorance as far as Riddler comics go. He's been right. around since the forties. Yeah. He's, he's made, whereas, um, for instance, whereas Hugo Strange on his Wikipedia entry has like a bunch of different breakdowns of the ways he's changed over the years and like a pre-crisis and post-crisis. <laughs> and then he was right. this, or like the Mad Hatter. Remember we were looking at the Mad Hatter and it's <laughs> like, they've reinvented him like 9,000 times. Yeah. Riddler has pretty much stayed the same. Yeah. Uh, he's a guy who likes riddles and he causes crimes that are riddle based and that's about it uh, he probably has the most one of the more consistent gimmicks yeah. in all of Batman um, I mean, I've just I don't know of any series that like here's the 12 issue uh, climax of why Riddler is the best villain yeah this writer remade the, the Riddler you think you like the Riddler you don't know the Riddler until you read this there isn't that story out there yeah I mean know? if there is I'm not aware of it I know that um they did a series Tom King did a series with him called or in Batman called the War of Jokes and Riddles right that was like the Joker and Riddler facing off somehow right which I haven't read um so maybe that's one I'm not sure and right. I think Scott used him yeah I know Scott used him somewhat recently in something I don't yeah. remember but yeah I, again another one like Hugo Strange if there's like a definitive Riddler story I would yeah. love to know I would love to read it right I do remember very clearly in the 90s even at the time I, I, I recognized this was weird where the Riddler's a fairly waifish character I guess you could say he's not a fighter mm-hmm. you know he uses his brain yeah and for some reason in the 90s they they were like oh, we need to punch the Riddler up a little bit so I think they, there was a storyline where they juiced him up with Venom 
the Bane Bane stuff. Yeah. So there, I I very clearly remember these covers, which I think were early Travis Charest yeah. covers. Oh yeah. Um, where the Riddler was just like a jacked '90s guy, and I was like, <laughs> oh, this is where we are. Where even the Riddler has like ripped abs and. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of what kind of story I would want. If you gave me, uh, let's say that you're, you and I each get a chance to do a six-issue miniseries mm-hmm. of the Riddler, do whatever mm-hmm. you want, would you make the story about him, his past, what drives him, why he's like this? Would you, uh, like, where would you go with it? I would put some edge to him. The, uh, the Riddler always seemed like, he, he kind of feels like he's a knockoff of the Joker a little bit, mm-hmm. because his his problems are very gimmick based yeah. and it's always like gimmicks for the sake of his own amusement right so i think what i would do and like they're never really that deadly like you it never really seems like there's that much mm-hmm. at stake with the riddler right i would think i would do basically like a saw story where i would add some right. some edge to the stuff that he's doing interesting and i i don't i wouldn't go full that way i wouldn't turn it into like that dark but I think he has the potential there that you could play him more like like the Zodiac Killer or something where he's sending encrypted messages to, to Gotham or or making these puzzles that are a lot more sinister and a lot more like, yeah, you have 35, you have 35 minutes to figure this out or mm-hmm. these things are going to like slice you in half or something. Yeah, yeah. The key is in your own stomach or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Gross. Yeah, that's definitely a good way to go. I was going to go... The route where he's an unwilling villain. Mm-hmm. So his family's kidnapped and he's this software engineer who's OCD and, you know, everything's in its place, loves mm-hmm. spreadsheets. Mm-hmm. And um, he's got like a tragic past where he used to be a villain and someone makes him do something crazy to hold Gotham a city hostage or whatever. Mm-hmm. And Batman thinks that he's the villain, that you find out that he's just a victim mm-hmm. and at the end, he has to use his brains to defeat the real villain, whoever's like blackmailing him or something. Yeah, yeah. Because if you want to do a villain, uh, a Riddler story where he's never really that threatening, then th- there you go. Like he, in fact, he's doing. Yes, he's a villain, but he's got a goal here to save his family. So yeah. now he's not a villain anymore. You know. Yeah, my I would go the other way because I find him more interesting as a villain who is the the product of overconfidence basically and thinking mm-hmm. that everybody else is not as smart as you are right and trying to prove that by right outsmarting everybody right um yeah that's true so i like uh there there actually was a a fan trailer after dark knight the movie came out where someone had made a fan trailer for the third nolan batman mm-hmm. and they had cut in uh johnny depp from like that movie he was in secret window or something. It was like some weird Johnny Depp movie uh-huh. and also stuff from Zodiac, the Fincher movie mm-hmm. and positioned him as this like weird serial killer. And I was like, Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that's so good. Uh, but yeah, like I, I really like this idea that he's, he's this more than a lot of the other characters. He's yeah. so spiteful. Yeah. You know, whether or not that's misplaced, he's yeah. so spiteful about the way he's been treated yeah. that he's just like, no, Fuck all of you. I'm yeah. going to show you how smart I am and you're going to regret it. Right. You would be like um, Elon Musk. Yeah. The villain version of it. Yeah. Like if if, if Elon Musk was uh, less evil than in real life. <laughs> um, and then. Guy gets a bad rap. Yeah. I'm but, not but, defending some of the stuff he said. But yeah. He could tone it down. But that kind of like that, <laughs> that level of intelligence who was like. Ended up going down the wrong path and yeah. now is either got yeah. screwed along the way or something. Yeah, yeah. You know, well, you know you're right. I mean, the, the crux of it. So I, I framed, I, I teed him up as this guy who's obsessed with puzzles and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I think you're right that the better angle on him is is arrogance. He is, he knows, in quotes, that he's smarter than everybody. And yeah. he's just this vindictive nerd who's tired of being picked on. Yeah. And yeah, that's his revenge. Yeah. He's just torturing people like he was tortured in some Weird way. Yeah, because for Batman to beat the Riddler, you don't have to punch the Riddler in the face. You just have to best him. Right. You know, and that's that's enough. Right. Uh, and that's actually not entirely um, dissimilar to the way that they treated him in Batman Forever. Because mm-hmm. he definitely does ha- have that arrogant nature to him. Yeah. But I don't, obviously that's just more cartoonish and silly. Might just be uh, Jim Carrey. True, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've always liked that he is... Uh, 
the the one character who's who's driven by spite basically mm-hmm. yeah which is a very powerful motivator yeah that's my main motivator <laughs> <laughs> um as for this episode itself um well, I was going to say one thing. Yeah. I love as a kid that Robin played video games. Yeah. I thought yeah. it was neat because this is in 1993 or four. Mm-hmm. So it was right where uh, Super Nintendo started to take over and Nintendo ended. Sega Genesis hit. And, you know, even at the time, the game Robin plays is it looks like adventure for Atari. It's yeah. not complicated. But I still love that he was a gamer and um, that the riddles... Uh, of the game actually made of this episode actually made it into the game I bought mm. for Super Nintendo of this animated series. Oh, that's right. You were telling me that. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. There, there is a whole level where you're going through a maze and you're asked these same exact questions. Like yeah. The, on a globe, what's the shortest distance between two points? It's got to be a curve. Wow. Unless the earth is flat. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever mentioned your flat earth uh, thing? Uh, no, it's not. Okay. <laughs> It's not a thing. I'm fascinated by people who believe it. I don't believe it myself. End of story. Um, Next time we'll do a a special podcast for certain listeners who love to waste two hours listening to Clay explain why flat earthers are interesting people. uh, There are plenty of other podcasts you can listen to or YouTube videos that you can watch about that. Um, Can we talk about our cocktail that we came up with last night called the Flat Earth? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) So we know this bartender, and I said to her, can you make a new cocktail based off, just I'll give you a word, and you make up a cocktail. And she's like, yeah, sure. So I said, make a cocktail called the Flat Earth. Mm. And uh, she just sort of blinked and and walked away, and she knows that's my sense of humor. Anyway, so Clay and I were actually sincerely trying to come up with what would a Flat Earth cocktail look like. Mm. And we came up with any old uh, alcohol that's about to spoil. You pour it into a flat cookie tray mm-hmm. and you just dump a bunch of straws into it and yep. you just hand it to people <laughs> yep that's about it yeah an old Coors Light one beer <laughs> one beer poured in a giant there's cookie no shape. right or wrong way you don't, you don't know how to drink it you just agree that it's flat yep 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 and then you could sort of uh, bond with those people that you're sharing this cookie tray with while everyone in the else bar in the bar stares at you strangely yes you, you just know, you know you are convinced that they don't understand the brilliance that you've discovered yeah yeah i'm sure they probably serve that in like uh williamsburg or something already um oh that is a tangent yeah uh that's that's why i need to isolate that sound bit of the joker going focus 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 anytime we go too off track um, I'm down with that but yeah, I you know it's funny. I actually thought this was. Uh, it, it reminded me of Bandersnatch, the Black uh, Black Mirror episode, mm-hmm. and I was kind of thinking like, oh, that's actually that character would make a good Riddler, like yeah. the the dude that he goes to, who's like all weirded out on the drugs and stuff, who's yeah. like the the best game designer. It's like uh-huh. I could see that character spinning off into right. the Riddler. So I, I I believe that this is a a plausible beginning for the riddler i guess i right. this this felt kind of boring to me for an origin right okay yeah because it, it was just basically like yeah it felt like a, it was actually it actually felt kind of like a taking a shot at the comic industry oh because yeah. his whole <laughs> the riddler's whole thing is that he got screwed out of a out of the royalties for his creation because he signed a work for hire deal. yeah he didn't read his contract <laughs> and then, his game this giant corporation's making money on it yeah and then even later Mockridge is like oh we've already built an amusement park we're not giving anything to the people who created this yeah. shit and Bruce is like I don't care I want jobs yeah <laughs> so artist loses to capitalism yes. in multiple forms once again and once again um, <laughs> damn you capitalism but yeah I felt I felt like it was kind of boring I mean that's I guess spite is a tough thing to to uh, illustrate right um, you know right up there with dignity what about a version of Riddler that's based off of Limitless okay like he's just super smart and he takes a drug that makes him even smarter and he's a scrawny dude but he's able to remember all his favorite kung fu movies but there's not enough riddliness in it but yeah. I feel like that's a good jumping off point for a way you could take the character that f- yeah that feels like a Two thousands era update of the Riddler, right? Yeah, or of Clock King. Mm. Sorry, so no, that's not Clock King. What I meant to say is, I feel like Riddler and Clock King have a lot of crossover. They do, yeah. Actually, every time that I go to think about that Clock King episode, yeah, I think it's a Riddler episode, yeah, because they are very similar. That's another spite based character. Yeah, the yeah. thing is, I like Clock King better than the Riddler. Um, yeah, I would say as far as episodes go, the Clock King episode is better than this one. Yeah, yeah. Just um, as a as a concept too, like if you told me to write a one shot, I'd rather do Clock King over 
yeah. Hitler. Like the green and the goofiness is just, I don't know. Even when, I mean, I'm not a, the Jim Carrey version, the, the giggly Adam West style. Like mm-hmm. I do, I did like this toned down, like guy wearing a suit and a bowler hat type of yeah. Hitler. You yeah. Know? He's still a little campy. John Glover does the voice. That's what say, I think that's He's the best part. Great. Yeah. And he would have made a fantastic Riddler if in in a movie. Yeah, uh, John Glover, he's been in tons of stuff. He's he in played, Lex Luthor in Smallville. Yep, yeah, Lex Luthor in Smallville. He's been yeah. in using Gremlins too. He's in Scrooged. He was in uh, a new movie. Um, a kid dies in a car crash at the beginning. Is that the name of the movie? Oh no, it's Umbrella Academy. Sorry. Oh okay. Yeah, I think he had a short role in Umbrella. Yeah. But I, you know, as a kid, I loved the Riddler. But I, as I was breaking it down, watching it, I think I liked the voice actor. Yeah. He did such a good job. Yeah. This is character and the, the way that he's written, and designed, I think is good. Um, this he's, episode does miss the mark a little bit for me. Yeah. But most of it's there. He also uh, is in Batman and Robin. He plays. He's the the scientist that oh, yeah. Pamela Isley works for. Like the ner- kind of nerdy. Yeah, out like, in the Amazon. He's the one who develops the formula that turns her into Poison Ivy and Bane into oh, Bane. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's right. Okay, he had glasses on in the yep, role? Okay. Yep, Yeah, Clock King is one. Do you, when he goes to the to the, uh, to the the outfit guy, is he like, what do you want? You, you really like time? Give him the glasses with the clock face yeah. on it and get out of here. I look at you. I don't see henchmen. I see... <laughs> cane shaped like the hand of an hour clock yeah. next yeah. <laughs> you're late subtle it's for Effective. it's for it's for the intelligent superhero you don't stand out you get to wear your you know your uh, butler costume basically yeah you keep your same clothes <laughs> you don't have a lot of money i understand it's a pair of glasses get out of my store um <laughs> it's a great voice man. i was i wish i could oh. do a thug voice <laughs> I was going to look back at my notes and I was like, oh, they're, they're mostly about this guy who's giving <laughs> villains new stuff. I don't actually know if I was paying attention to the episode. Uh, I do really like Batman being a smartass to Robin. Oh, yeah. He does it a few times. Yeah. It's the first. Usually Robin is kind of making a quip at Batman and Batman is being kind of like, you know, uh, uh, stoic about it. Yeah. At this point, because apparently I'm assuming Batman just thinks video games are stupid yeah. because it's all like. Yeah. So you've done this before, and he's like, "Yeah, I've played this this level." And then something goes wrong. And he's like, right. "Well, clearly you are an idiot and haven't yeah. played this level." You know what it is? This episode reminds me of the other Riddler episode where uh, there's a gift delivered to the police department. It's a giant computer, and you wear this headset, and it takes you into this uh, like Riddler Wonderland, mm-hmm. and he fucks with you basically. Yeah. It's a virtual reality thing. It's basically a better version of this episode. And I think when I when I, I always think, oh yeah, I love Riddler episodes. I think I sort of mush these two episodes together mm-hmm. into one amazing episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, to skip to the end, I'd probably go three and a half out of five on this one. Yeah. Yeah, I would say, well, I, I was thinking, how, I was going to ask, how do you, where would you place this as far as villain? Villain origin stories. Villain first episodes. Um, it's still better than Scarecrow. Scarecrow yeah. is by far the worst one. This is pretty middling. Yeah. It's saved by the voice actor and I think just how Riddler is written. Yeah. But the plot doesn't necessarily do him any favors. Yeah. I mean, you just get henchmen. Yeah. Like that, I mean, it'd be nice if they went in. I mean, did he even need them, really? Not really. Yeah. No. It feels, it feels about on par with Two-Face. Yeah. Where, it, again, it feels like a condensed version of that. Because Two-Face, is, you know, the first half of that Two-Face episode is great. And then the second half... Hmm. He just shows up with all of his branded gear on, with his branded henchmen, because he's he's got money. He could yeah. pay for the branded henchmen. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And you know, well, oh, Mister Fancy Pants, <laughs> I'm going to charge you double. I think you know why. <laughs> See, it's great. This character needs to be White Knight Three. Is all about the guy who gives the villains their merchandise. The henchmen. Uh, what do you what do you want to call them? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I'll have to come up with a name. You are, how about this? I'll be, I paint half the room purple. You're going to love it. Um, uh, what the hell was I talking about? I don't uh, know. Oh, the first episode. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's fine. It's not a great introduction. Uh, it's an interesting enough story, I guess. Um, it was interesting to learn that Batman's computer cost $50 million. <laughs> oh, yeah. Jesus. <laughs> And I mean, you know, it's just going to be out of, outdated in like eight years, anyway. Or, yeah, so. and half as fast. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, it does. It does seem like one of those computers from like the '60s when computers t- took up entire rooms. Right. But the screens were like twelve by twelve by twelve inches oh, or man, something. I love that shit. Yeah. yeah. All the the real real to real. Oh stuff. yeah, I yeah. love that. Anytime I draw a computer in a comic, I just go for that. Just yeah. Because who cares? It's yeah. awesome. <laughs> um, one of the things that I remember reading about Riddler, I think it was in um that oversized art book for the animated series that mm-hmm. came back in, out in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, some good info in there. And one of the things I think I read was uh, Dini or Tim talking about they like they liked the Riddler, but writing his episodes were so time-consuming mm-hmm. that they just didn't get to do Riddler very much just mm-hmm. because of time constraints. Because you got to um, come up with riddles and shit. Yeah, yeah. and like even though they did the best they could, half of them are like, okay, mm-hmm. that's there's a lot of logic leaps to Batman figuring it out yeah but you just kind of go with it because yeah <laughs> yeah it, it, batman's riddle at the end where he's you know before he brings the hand in or whatever yeah. it's, it's something really lame it's he like just, i've got a riddle for you yeah what's the best way to beat a minotaur yeah. with a fist <laughs> <laughs> is he even like stall like that like I, it's well, I, whatever I, yeah i feel like he should I, I feel like there's another scene after that where he's like i I didn't have time. I just is the best I could do. I got a riddler. I wait. Mean, not my best work. Not I got a my riddle. Best. Fuck you, riddler. Yeah. Yeah. Robin being like, yeah, that's not your best work. Man. <laughs> Fuck you too, Robin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I, that's right. I feel like Batman cheating and stealing the floating hand to mm-hmm. just skip to the end. Like, I don't know if I. I wanted Batman to beat Riddler by his own rules yeah, and yes. not cheat to win. Yeah. Even as a kid, I think that slightly bugged me. Yeah, I think ideally, well. That's what's kind of weird because that whole thing at the end with the maze is like it's, it's it's. Can you climb on top of the wall? Yeah, and just run. You over could the... theoretically, like yeah. in uh, Labyrinth or whatever. I yeah. think they do that. Uh, but yeah, like, yeah, you... hook to the ceiling and then look down and drop yourself. In oh, the he didn't. They didn't. He had to take the belt off. He didn't have the guns. There we go. Laser guns. Yeah. What? What kind of Batman you watching? I you know. Pew pew pew. Modern Batman. Yeah, I, I kind of wish that Batman had beaten him on a more cerebral level. But, kid show, yeah. got to have robots and shit, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I guess that would bring us to, what would you draw from the episode if you could reinterpret something? Yeah. Batman does beat him on the cerebral level in the next episode of Riddler, mm-hmm. which is great. Uh, so, yeah, I think I would draw... Man, I think the Minotaur with the sword I was thinking the cool. same thing, yeah. yeah. It's, it's the... Best imagery, really. Yeah, best um, set piece. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I would probably be the same. Yeah. Or maybe Robin sitting and playing a video game in the Batcave. That's kind of fun. Yeah. yeah, like an old pixel art game. Yeah, have like a nice splash page, <laughs> lots of shadow of <laughs> Robin sitting in front of that giant screen. Yeah. And he's playing the game Space Shuttle. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, we played, we played the NES game Space Shuttle last night, and it's probably the worst game I've ever played in my life. Level one is you are, because no one's asking. Nope. But level one is uh, you can't even play the game until you sign in, and you need to put in the correct code yeah. for which space shuttle. It's already immediately boring. Yeah, it's real fucking boring. And, and then the next task is to get into the space shuttle, but there's a set time limit, which isn't how real space shuttles work. No. Which, it's not like, quick, go, Yeah. Buzz. Well, well when, you know, when they say T minus 10, that's, <laughs> that's how much time you have to get into it before it shoots, <laughs> yeah. you know, rockets off. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we'll talk about that on the next episode of <laughs> NES games that are terrible, colon, it's most of them. Um, yeah, so I would give it, I'd give this episode, yeah, I'd give it a three. It's fine. It, yeah. it doesn't blow me away, but it's not terrible. I would actually think I would, Mike, even give it like a low three. Yeah. Because I find it, hmm. yeah, it's got some interesting stuff in it, but I just don't think it, it really yeah. is up there for me. Well, so in the last episode, I said that there's good camp and bad camp. For yeah. me, this registers as good camp because mm-hmm. it's out there, but it's like, well, it's, this is pretty fun. It's a kid show. This is a type of environment and challenge that checks all the Adam West boxes, but mm-hmm. it also feels very animated series. Like, this, I think it's successful for a lot of good reasons. Yeah. But I agree. It, it's not quite as great as I remember this one being. Yeah. So I, a low three is fine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's going to do it for us on this episode. Uh, if you like us, please uh, leave us a comment or a rating on iTunes. Uh, if you have any questions or comments for us directly, you can find us on Twitter at BatAssPodcast, B-A-T-T-A-S-S Podcast. And uh, our email address is BatAssPodcast at gmail.com. 
And, and uh, if you have yeah. a name for our uh, henchman yes. sourcing character, yes. we're all we are all ears. Yes, and <laughs> and just keep in mind it is a work for hire contract, and whatever name you give us is now ours. So when we build a theme park, we're going to cut you out. Oh yeah, big time. Yeah. <laughs> On that note. Yeah, you won't even get a dedication in the first volume. <laughs> I'm going to charge you double. <laughs> so we've got a a, a two part next time. So we'll be back with Heart of Steel Part One and Part Two. All right, see you guys. Let the good die, bro.